0: What's up, everybody? Jimmy Kolb here, and welcome back to the Kolb Strong Power Podcast. All right, everybody. We are back. It is another great week in the powerlifting world and in life in general. I've had a really good week. I want to talk to you not today about another topic. Um, competing, right? Going to the competitions, what the sport is all about, okay? So um, it's a big topic. Um, I'm just going to talk on a personal experience of how the sport has treated me um, in terms of the competitive nature, uh, how the meets have gone for me, my my experience with the competitive side of powerlifting. So I started competing when I was 19 years old, Um, officially. Now, when I was 18 years old, I was getting into some high school meets. Um, non-sanctioned meets, just like high school ran meets that were not official, no singlets, just t-shirts, shorts. Um, There was one meet, it was a state meet in Kenton, Ohio, not Kent, not Canton, (laughs) Kenton, Ohio, Um, big state meet. I did it for uh, two years in a row and you were able to use single ply squat suits and deadlift suits, but you weren't allowed to use bench press shirts. That was a very strange uh, combination. So um, the first year I went, I did completely raw, just knee wraps, belt, wrist wraps. And the second year I went back, I used a squat suit, single ply squat suit, bench raw. And I'm pretty sure I deadlifted raw, if I'm not mistaken. So, was, you know, you can understand that it's not uh, uh, very uh, level fielded. Because I was competing against guys who were not squatting in suits, or, in the, or and or the guys not squatting in suits were competing with me. So, but it was fun. It was a good uh, delve into what competitive powerlifting is like. The rules were a little bit more lax. Um, but hey, it's a high school non-sanctioned meet, okay? My first actual sanctioned meet at 19 years old was the NASA Nationals, the high school Nationals in Oklahoma City. Yes, I said NASA, the N A S A, Natural Athlete Strength Association. Um, <laughs> I think that federation's still living right now. I'm not quite sure. So uh, went there at uh, 19 years old, or was 18 years old? Can't remember. My senior year in high school, I was 18, 19. I was 19. Let's go with that. <laughs> so went there, competed my first sanctioned competition. Um, huge, huge, huge meet, two-day meet, uh, they had uh, three or four platforms going all at once, it was a humongous meet, I think I was one of the only single lifter competitors, because everybody else was there with a team, with a high school team, you know, uh, a lot of teams from Texas and Oklahoma, but uh, here on the east coast, it's not a school-sanctioned sport, so uh, I went there, uh, it was a good experience, um, it was ran by Rich Peters, he was there, and uh, I had a good meet, I w- I w- did, it was one of my times in my life where I was still doing raw, did full power raw, whoa, <laughs> that was a time ago, you know, um, so in terms of, only oh, the only negative thing that happened I want to talk about in terms of competing is uh, I ended up matching the squat record national record squat I surpassed the bench the deadlift and the total record national record for my weight class and raw but they didn't count and I learned a hard lesson and that was uh a very important thing when you do compete you have to let the score table you have to let somebody one of the judges know hey this is a record lift I'm going for and they have to bring over the appropriate judges to uh, officiate your lift. I was not aware of this, so I was coaxed by my grandfather, who was with me, to go over to the score table at the end of the meet, Rich Peters, and I went up to him and tried to speak with him, and he kind of looked at me over his shoulder and then uh, looked at the guy next to him and said, hey, take care of this kid, and just went back to what he was doing, so that was not a pleasant first experience with Mr. Peters. Um... And he, was, he informed me that I I didn't get the records. They wouldn't count because I didn't have the appropriate judges. So hard lesson learned. But at the same time, it was an experience. A little notch in the old experience belt. So uh, that's how my first meet went. It was very good. I had fun. I got to see a different part of the country. It was a blast. Moving on to talk about divisions. So when I was younger... Um, when I had maybe less responsibilities as a younger kid as I do as, a, as an adult, I would enter as many divisions as I could. Now, Obviously, I was paying for that. You know, That cost a lot more money. But when I was a teenager, I would enter teenage full power. Uh, I would enter teenage bench only, deadlift only, sometimes even push-pull. Um, this allowed me to set multiple types of records at one time in a competition. Um, also, when I started delving into the equipment, getting into squat suits, learning how to use this weird contraption called a monolift, that was extremely difficult. Um, I hated monolifts for my first six, seven months on one. I, I was still walking my weights out, multiply, because I couldn't figure out how to f- use the damn thing. But uh, So I would enter every division so that I knew for a fact that if I couldn't get a squat in because sometimes my gear wouldn't work I didn't know what the hell I was doing if I bombed in the squat which I had done before I could move on and I could still bench because I'm in the bench only division get a huge bench posted that I could move on and deadlift and get a push pull total and also a deadlift, a single lift uh, record and or placing back when I was more materialistic I grew out of that, thank God. Uh, you know, I would come, I'd walk home with three, four, maybe five trophies, depending on how many divisions I entered. Um, so if you, if you have multiple records that you can set in um, one age division, one weight class, uh, if you're military, police, and fire, you know, you can, you're, you're, you can enter as many divisions as you want. You're going to pay for it, obviously. It's going to cost you a lot more money, um, but you, you can do that. That is a thing. So, um, you know, you want to utilize your talents correctly uh, if you want to enter one division. Obviously, now, as a current competitor, entering bench only in the open division. You know, I can't, as a teenager, enter, you know, well, even in open, I could do the same thing, I suppose. I could do squat, you know, full power, bench only, push-pull, But I don't do the other two lifts now. So I'm very, very much um, specialized doing just the bench. But that's, you know, as you all know, if you know me, that's all I really give a shit about anyway. Um, So yes, uh, let's see. I had an experience here actually just recently. Um, One good thing that you should be making a habit of, especially if you're a newer lifter or hell, I've been in this sport for 16 years 12 years competitive I still call ahead and I talk to the meet director I call ahead I ask questions Um, those questions could range anything you want to know about the competition what kind of equipment what's the venue going to be like do you have a spectator feed anything that might not be on the entry form that you want to know specifically every time I have a competition I call ahead and I get the details I need so for an example of that, specifically, when I'm competing nowadays with the types of weights that I'm handling and plan to handle, the first thing I do when I call the meat director ahead of time, I'm talking like a couple of months ahead of time, um, I talk to the gentleman Al or ma'am, and I ask, hey, what kind of bench are you using? Oh, it's a Forzo. Oh, it's a the metal militia style, you know, bench, and I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. And my next question is always, are you going to have face savers on the bench? Sometimes the answer is no. And their response is no, but we have fantastic spotters. We have on-point spotters. We've had, one guy told me, well, we've had Dave Hoff and A.J. Roberts compete here. and we got great spotters. I'm like, well, thank you for your time, sir or ma'am. Um, I cannot compete with you. Oh, so. Have a good rest of your day. Have a successful competition. Good luck. Um, Once in a blue moon, I'll have that gentleman or lady text me or call me back and say, hey, for you, since you're coming, we will supply face savers. And in my good, honest opinion, that should be a no-brainer. That should be standard across the board. Face savers on benches should be a requirement because of the risks involved with heavy benching i've talked about my injury that i had a couple of years ago before if you don't know what i'm talking about i dropped a 405 loaded bar from full lockout onto my chest it bounced off of me and came back down a second time and this all happened within i swear a quarter of a second it was so fast it just felt like i got hit by a truck and at 405 Screwed me up for about seven or eight months while I was still in the military. <clears throat> so, the thought of eleven, eleven fifty, twelve hundred pounds or more crashing down to my body in a very unfortunate accident um, doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> Especially at a competition where you know you should be you should be taken care of. You should. Know that you're safe. And yes, spotters are great. But when that much weight comes crashing down... uh, A friend had a good analogy for me. Where he said... It would take at least five humongous... Very competent, experienced spotters... um, All a split second... To simultaneously catch that weight at the exact same time... For absolutely nothing to happen. And even then... Something bad could still happen. Um, I don't play around with that. I don't play that game. If you don't have face savers, I don't compete with you. so I have to I have to be that guy that calls and makes that, 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 have that have that conversation. I have to. so that's just an example of, say, something you could ask um, back when I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now. Sometime, I, I remember calling a USPA meat director, asking what kind of equipment they were using. I didn't know that ER racks were pretty much across the board with the USPA. <laughs> so I finally learned that and then didn't make the mistake of going back to the USPA. Ha uh-huh, not going to get me again. Um, I, I don't compete on those, just if anybody's wondering. So that is something you can do. Call ahead, get your information. If he won't give you the information or the individual will not give you the information, you call as many people as you need to so that you get what you need. You are the competitor. You are giving them money. You need to get your answers uh, from somebody. Okay? Um, So my competitive experience has always been good. I've bombed out more times than I can count. But, you know, it's been a crazy ride. I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I did leave the sport for a little while. That's how I ended up joining the military, but I came back to it. I, everybody can talk about the iron bug, right? It just, it just came back. And even nowadays I'm enjoying competing just as much as I did when I was 18 years old. So it's just, it really hasn't gone away. It's if anything, it's gotten better because with knowledge and experience, um, future experiences are always just better, especially when you know what you're doing. Um, when you're going to a competition, you know, handlers, gym guy, you know, your gym partners, your training partners, always talk about you know your your openers, how to find the perfect opener. Um, I'm going to speak on the uh, the bench only side of the sport because you know I've done full power, but I'm going to go ahead and just talk about bench. So, how do you find your perfect opener um, when you're going for a big bench? So, I'm a geared lifter, okay, or equipped lifter. Um I try and find a weight. I have a goal in mind. I want to go to the meet, I want to PR, I want to surpass a record say. I have a goal weight in mind. So when I'm training, my gauge while I'm in the gym is not something that I can do three or four reps with as an opener. That's I, I'm I'm beyond that. If you are a beginner That would be something that I would say. I would say, hey, first meet, first couple of meets, hey, you should open with something you should be able to rep three, maybe four good reps with. Something that's relatively easy but still somewhat of a challenge. But you know you can do super clean. You can get to depth or you can pause for a very, very extended, long period of time. Exaggerative exaggerative pause. Press with full confidence or deadlift. Whatever the hell deadlifters do. <laughs> but. Um, you know. It's. Uh, I'm, I'm not that level in the sport anymore. So I use a gauge. And that gauge like I mentioned is the half board. And the bench. If I can get a weight down. To the half board. And press it up successfully. That tells me. That weight will touch. In the competition. Um, sometimes the opener is the goal weight for the day. Sometimes the opener is slightly less weight than what my goal is for the day. Um, The biggest jumps I'll make from attempt to attempt are generally the 30 to 40 pound range, somewhere in there. So for example, in March, when I was at York Barbell and got my big lift this year, my opener was 1,000 flat. Based on my training, 1,000 pounds should be able to touch. Um it did not, I pressed it up anyway, I told the judges and the spotters, if it won't touch, in the event that it won't touch, right, being optimistic, being realistic, uh, but uh, let me press it anyway, let me get in the bench pressing mode, I've taken weights down before that wouldn't touch, and I've just shook my head like, nope, nope, take it, take it, you know, why waste the energy, but no, I wanted to press something, get in my head like, yeah, Strong press all the way up. There you go. And I did. Didn't count, obviously. Um went to ten thirty-five on my second. I'm like, well, thousand pounds was about a quarter inch from touching. Thirty, thirty-five more pounds should bring it down. And it did. I touched successfully. Uh missed uh miscalculation at the top, threw it into the rack right before the rack command. You know, you know, beggars can't be choosers or whatever the fuck they say. <laughs> You get lifts taken away, uh, you, you, miss, you miss lifts, it's part of the sport. Went to 10.35 on my third, corrected the missing it at the top, um, ended up getting the lift, bada bing, bada boom, there we go, all-time world record. So choosing your openers, uh, it, it changes between you being an inexperienced lifter to a very, very, very experienced lifter. Um, obviously, I can't rep you know, a thousand, thousand plus full range for three to five reps, um, but I still choose openers that are super, super high. Um, it's, it's just a different mindset, being that experience going for those types of weights. So, um, I had a very interesting question uh, pop up on my Instagram. I'm gonna to have to share that for you really quick. It says, "How do you get more willing to take more risks in your weight selection?" For meats, so you know for me, it's how do you get how do you get more? On, what it say? How do you get more willing to take more risks? Well, it's it's just the mindset for me. When I'm at the competition, I'm willing to go above and beyond what I've done, maybe what I was planning to do. It really it's a it's a very very case by case meat by meat basis. Um, it depends on if there's a mark I want to hit If there's a record that I can take uh, It really depends um, When you're at the competition, that is for real That is what we train for Why not take the most risk at the competition? You know, um, it's, it's, it's what matters You can do whatever you want in the gym You can do whatever you want It doesn't count for anything I say that in Competitive terms Now obviously the training is how you Become successful at the meet So it does mean something but in terms of Gym lifts are just Gym lifts Board work is board work Um, Reps are reps What you do on the platform Is what makes you The competitor is what people remember You for you know um, which brings me to a very interesting topic, um, had a conversation with my wife about, and I had unsuccessfully, uh, attempt, I, I unsuccessfully, uh, went for a thousand pounds, four different meats. And, uh, I was getting frustrated and I finally got her on the fifth, you know, but she told me, she's like, you know, nobody is gonna, how many, how many times did, uh, Gene Richlack fail a thousand before he finally got it? I was like, I have no idea. I just know that he got it, you know. She, <clears throat> and she said, it, <coughs> "She said, oh, sorry." She said, "Exactly. That that's that's all. People only know or care that you officially did it, you know, not that you failed it five or six times or a dozen times, but you finally got it, and you are a thousand pound bench presser." So that really spoke worlds to me on that on that topic. Anyway. So in terms of taking more risk, I mean, take risk at the meat because you you might accomplish something you didn't know that you were capable of or something that was above where you had projected that you thought you would be at. Um, it's just the mindset of being, you know, you play. You don't want to play it too safe in the gym. You want to push yourself, and training is supposed to suck, man. The training is supposed to be hard. The And then once you train and train and train in the gym, you get to the meet and it's not, you know, walk in the park, but it's, I do less work at a competition than I do in the gym on a a weekly, daily basis. My workload is 10 times what it is compared to a competition. Uh, Mickey, right? From the Rocky movies. What did Mickey say? Hey, hey, rock, rock, right? For a 45 minute fight, you got to train for 45,000 minutes. 45,000. He said that. And that, that, you know, that workload, that 45,000 minutes of training to train for a 45-minute fight. So generally between competitions, for me, it's three months, four months, maybe even five months. In this case, with COVID, it was six months. Uh, No, I lied. It'd be like eight months between competitions, Uh, different circumstances, obviously. But all this training, eight months, six months, whatever it is, leading up to getting one, maybe two big lifts at the competition. So all that training for, let's say, getting even more simple, just one lift, one lift that counts. So training does mean something, but it's what you do at the competition that actually matters. So... Talking to my equipped lifters, uh, specifically, this is because I'm an equipped lifter. this is a topic that's extremely important to me that every equipped lifter should be doing as we speak. That is tracking not just your body weight but your body size. They kind of go hand in hand um, so let's talk bench, right let's talk bench press, bench shirts. Um, what do I do every Saturday? I go to the gym. I have my, the same shirt that I'm training with. It's hanging on my wall right next to me right now. Drying from, from yesterday. Wetting it down. Um, I step on the scale. I see what I weigh. And I see how the shirt behaves. And how weights move. I come in the next week. I weigh myself. Track my body weight. If I'm two pounds heavier, let's say, good hydration, lots of food, see how the shirt behaves, see how weights come down, uh, see how much quicker the shirt locks up because I'm now bigger. you know, Or if I come in a pound or two light because I didn't have enough hydration, because I'm hungry, I didn't have a big enough breakfast, something. And I track how the shirt works. That way I know when I go to the competition and I weigh in at... 277 or 278. I know by the pound how that shirt is going to perform, how that shirt is going to work. If I'm light, hmm, shit, maybe I should lower my opener. How's my diet going to be tonight? Am I going to have a Texas Roadhouse giant steak? Am I going to salt load? Um, am I going to eat like normal because I'm good, and make adjustments from there. And you can adjust your opener up into what, like the five attempts out from your from your attempt or something like that. So. You have options depending on your body weight and your size. You have to track how much of yourself is behind that gear so that you're not going into that meet blind. If you don't know, if you're 280, 280, 280 for weeks and weeks and weeks and you come in at the meat maybe because of nerves, because of the travel, you didn't hydrate enough, you come in at 276, like, whoa, like four pounds, man. And even a couple pounds is, a, is a 10 miles you, you lose four pounds. You weigh in at 276. You go to compete the next day and all the weights just are heavy and slow and you're, and they're not, you're not getting pop out of the gear because now the shirt's going to behave different now that you have shrunken even just a smidge. Now everything is different. You have to track your body weight and your body size. It's, it's very, very important. Um, I made a mistake with salt loading once. I took uh, a 50-50 This is back, well, before I knew sugar overactivated the kidneys and actually made you piss more. But uh, Gatorade, right? I took a gallon jug, 50-50 gallon water mix, and I took pink Himalayan sea salt. I think it's called sea salt. Pink Himalayan salt, that pink stuff. (laughs) And I put some of that in that mixture and drank that. And actually, um, it made me retain, even though there was sugar in the Gatorade, but the salt, uh, plus the electrolytes from the Gatorade... I retained and I blew up my fingers were actually swollen because of being so um, uh, loaded with sodium and my gear was almost impossible like physically impossible to get on the same gear I had used just the week prior leading up to this meet and uh, went ahead and just took my same opener they gave the score table at weigh-ins and I was halfway down. I could not make a weight touch. Went up 50 pounds. Still couldn't make a weight touch. And I couldn't go up any more weight because that would have been probably something above what I, what I could have handled. I bombed out of that meat. So you, <laughs> um, experiment with these things during your training. Way before. the don't. The competition is not the time to change things up and have an odd breakfast or a very odd dinner or try salt loading or, you know... Uh, so, you know, Or anything like that Do all that experimentation with your body Weeks or months ahead of time So you know how your body reacts You know how your body reacts to a giant breakfast from IHOP Or you know how your body reacts when you put salt on all your food the night before And you really salt or eat a giant juicy steak Okay, That's very important for the geared guys And the raw guys too um, But they don't have equipment to fit into and perform a certain way So that, that's where that's where the difference is so, um, when it comes to, uh, the competitions, I've always had a routine, always, now that routine has changed over the last 12 years, okay, um, back when I was younger, my routine was tons of food, more food than I would eat during a normal workout, just, uh, go to the gas station to grab every kind of metrics bar, and tons of Gatorade, and, uh, Candy bars and beef jerky, just anything I get my hands on, and just eat the whole day. And that, and I, I always, it never worked. Uh, I had to, it just, it never worked. Maybe I, I started pissing everything I had in me because the Gatorade with the sugar, I was pissing everything out. Now um, all the sugar from the candy bars or the metrics bars was upsetting my stomach, and I was getting gassy. You don't want to be that during a competition, you know. So, um, it's, uh, it was very, I didn't know any better. I learned. So now a days, my routine at the competition is exactly the same as it is in the gym. Obviously the venue is different. There's uh, time limits. I got to warm up accordingly and get, get the timing right, which is so damn hard to do, but I'm eating the same thing I would eat during a workout as I am at the meet. So it's routine. It's the same. I know how my body reacts. I'm hungry, huh? What do I do when I'm hungry at the gym? I have a baby Ruth. I grab a rain from our gym owner from his little cooler. Uh, I don't. I don't go and buy a five-pound bag of jerky and start chewing on that. I don't do that normally. As long as my hydration is good, I'm eating normal. I keep things exactly the same as it is every other training day in the gym. That way, you know I'm not gonna react in a negative way i'm not going to get gassy i'm not going to have an upset stomach i'm not going to piss all everything i'm trying to retain out from too much of this or too little of that or whatever and what have you so you know water is good um salt is good during a competition stay away from gatorade stay away from gatorade stay away from the high 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 sugars now, I baby Ruth and stuff like that. I mean, hey, I it's, it's better than a gallon of Gatorade, okay? Because Gatorade, yes, it's got electrolytes in it, but that sugar is gonna overactivate your kidneys. You're gonna piss everything out. So, um, what you do in the gym? What we do? In the, what we do in the gym? We lift heavy weights all the time. Get successful lifts. Get PRs here and there. Reps. You know, tons of weight. What do you do in the gym? To get those lifts to get those numbers well do that shit at the competition keep it routine don't change things up don't change things up at the last minute um staying calm you know stay level headed it's supposed to be fun I had to I had to come to that realization even just like a year ago I go to the meet I get all stressed out there's so many people it's different I'm like uh I'm like wait a minute time out this is supposed to be fun. Why else would I be doing this? If it's not fun, I ain't gonna do it. You know, I, I've enjoyed it for 16 years. Oh, um, hiccups here and there, but that—that's is his life. You have—you have to stay calm, stay level-headed. I was telling myself leading up to all these thousand-pound bench attempts before I finally got it. Like, well, pff, I've handled this weight many, many times in a competition. I know what it feels like. I handle this weight or more hundreds of pounds more in the gym every single weekend what's it's not a big deal calm down this is normal this is routine you're with your guys you're with your wife you're on a good bench you got good spotters and you're at a fun meet have fun don't let your nerves get to you it's not you're not going to die if you don't get a lift in do i treat the sport as life or death Yes. Do I die if I bomb out? No. Okay. You have to have fun with it. You have to stay calm. Don't let your nerves get to you. Um just keep everything the same. Don't don't sweat bullets. Don't forget to drink. Don't forget to eat. Just stay calm and treat it like another day in the gym. But it's official now, you know. And once I kind of had that relaxed mentality, I mean, laser focus when it's time to have laser focus, but not getting so nervous that I fuck up because I'm just, I'm just a head case. No, you have to stay in the game and you have to have that proper mindset. Speaking of mindset, missing an opener. Okay. Again, I'm talking bench y'all. Um, this can be applied to all three lifts, but I'm going to talk a lot about the bench. Um, in the past I've missed my opener. And that has really fucked with my head. It's like, why did I miss that? That's doable weight. That's easy weight. What the hell? Now, if touching was an issue, okay, that's that's a whole nother ball game. I've had weights come down, got the press call come three quarter of the way up, half the way up, can't get it, can't do it. And I'm like, okay. And it just kind of sets the tone for the rest of the meet. So, the proper mindset you have to have when you have, when you miss your opener. How do you? recover from this. How do you turn it into a successful day? It's all about that mindset. I, I just talked about not being a head case, not letting the day, letting the competition fuck with your head. It's a normal day. It's a normal routine. Heavyweight, just like in the gym, right? Or even probably lighter. For in my case, what I'm attempting at the meat is sometimes a little bit lighter than what I'm handling in the comp in the gym every single weekend, you know. So, it's how do you, how do you turn it into a successful day? Well, okay, I missed my opener. I get up off the bench. I just kind of laugh it off, like, "Whoa, that was close. That was good, guys. Thanks. You know, Are you guys good? Are you good?" And I kind of look at the judges' table and I give kind of the "Let's go again" finger up in the air, like, "Repeat, repeat." And I just kind of walk off the platform and go, "Whoa, you well, know, get that first one out of the way." I'm getting a goosebumps thinking about it right now. Get that first one out of the way. You're in the meat. You're in that mode. Okay, reassess. What's going on? Sit down. Talk to your guys. Look at the shirt. Adjust something. What do you guys think? Oh, you came down too slow. You didn't tuck enough. Um, you know, you're, you're, the weight was just too light. It, didn't, it wasn't able to touch. Something. And just reassess and, okay, let's get... Let's, hey, can you grab my Gatorade for me? Hey, can you grab... Huh. Gatorade. Whoops, I just slipped there. Can you go grab my... Uh- <laughs> Salt water mixture over there, you know. Uh, baby Ruth, can, can I have some food? And just kind of play it, play it around, and just uh, get ready for the next one. Just have fun. Uh, then when it's time to have that laser focus, okay. Next attempt, all right. Get wrapped up, get some chalk. Hey, spray my back down with some stickum. Spray it on my ass while you're at it. What the hell, you know? Uh, my boots. Let's walk up there. Get get some ammonia capsules going. I just get ready for the next one. When I was in York and I got my big lift on my third attempt, that's a rare thing. I almost never get a third attempt. Um, if I got, uh, if I get my opener and second attempt, oftentimes the third attempt I have no energy for. But uh, missed my opener because it wouldn't touch. Pressed it anyway. Touched a thousand thirty-five. Got all the way up. Just threw it into the rack at the last second. Couldn't hold it. Repeated on my third, and I got it on my third. I will be honest though, when I was sitting there on the end of that bench before I laid back, and I was thinking to myself, I mean it was it was like five minutes of conversation in my head that happened in like five seconds, you know. Very quick. I'm like, listen, you cannot bomb out again. You you've you've been training for too long, you've been competing for exactly one year, one hundred percent failure. You have to you have to get this. Your sponsors need you to get this. You need to take Scott Mendelson's record away from him. You've been training for that. You need to do this for your wife. You need to do this for your family and your training partners. Let people know that you're not just training for nothing. You have to do this. Don't walk away with nothing again. This all happened in like a two or three seconds. I mean, it was crazy how that works. But uh, laid back, and I got it done. I I, I, I got it done. Um, you just like I said i wasn 't thinking that the entire time spent between my second and third attempt i didn 't sit in a chair and just rock back and forth and smack myself in the face and get pissed and waste all that energy. I used to waste a lot of energy when I was younger, getting gear when I was benching in the sevens, trying to get to the eight hundred pound mark when I was still young, when I was twenty years old. I wasted so much energy getting hyped between lifts, getting pissed off between lifts. And as I'm walking up to the bench, I'm getting smacked in the face and hitting the shoulders and the back and sniffing ammonia and screaming and hopping around and getting all hyped. And I wasted so much energy before the lift. So now I don't waste that negative energy on anything but the lift itself as I'm doing it. I don't sit in a chair and just get pissed and think about it and go what the fuck and, f- and just get all emotional about it i sit down i relax hey guys let's do that again thanks for the handoff it's feeling great I just gotta get it mm. i just chill and then jimmy Cole, you are four out oh boy okay guys let's we ready we ready let's get this shit going and i doing all my prep work getting all my gear on and my wraps and my stick up and chalk and having a money capsule sitting in my ear and uh get up and do it. Save all that energy for the lift. And that's how I got through those first two missed attempts. Um it's 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 kind of a learned skill. It's taken me a long time. 16 years of lifting and like I said 12 competitive years to finally come to that mindset of just I love what I'm doing. I don't care what happens. I want to have a successful day. I don't train to bomb out, but I can't worry about that. I have to go and perform. If I can't perform, it's on me, you know. But um, that—that's how it's always been. Um, It's taken a long time to really fine tune that to where, um, you know, it's just—it's not even a thought. It's just kind of how it happens now. So, what do I do after a competition? What do I do after a competition if I bomb out? What do I do at a competition if I'm successful? Well, they're a little bit different. (laughs) If I have a successful meet, uh, I usually celebrate. Um, I usually sometimes cry. I don't know. It depends on the lift, right? depends on how big of a goal I just met. Uh, I usually call people. I call my sponsors. I call my family. I call my friends. Hey, had a good day. Here's the hey, And kind of just kind of delve in the moment. Usually go out to eat that night. Um... If I bomb out, I do the same thing. I call my sponsors, I call my family, my friends, and I tell them, "Hey, uh, you know, didn't have it today. Get it next time. I got a meet in four months. Say I'm going to work for that one now." Um, the feeling is a little bit different, you know. Uh, bombing out sucks. It, it, it just sucks, you know. Nobody wants to walk away with nothing. I've done that many times. Um, it's just, it's just part of the game. You know, you're attempting weights that are doable, but to fine-tune it that day, to make everything 100% perfect every single time, especially when you start getting over the 1,000-pound mark, it is so damn critical that everything has to be perfect. Your setup has to be perfect. The handout has to be perfect. The where it sits in your palm has to be perfect. The bench has to be good. Uh... You know, the temperature has to be just right. If it's too cold or too hot, you're sweating too much, you can't cool off. Everything has to be exactly the way it's supposed to be to get that lift. Um, Can you recover from things that are off? Yes. But at those kind of weights, man, it is hard to do, you know? So um, after the initial emotions wear off, negative or positive, bomb out or not, um, what do I do next? Meets usually on a Saturday, sometimes a Sunday if it's a two day meet. I'm a fat ass now, so I'm in the, I compete with the Sunday crews, right? Um, Monday morning or maybe Tuesday morning or day, I get right back to the gym, start training again. Where did I miss? Uh, where was I successful? Uh, what could have been different? What do I need to work on? Where am I seeing that I need improvement? Uh, do I need to do more low end work in the shirt? Do I need more top end raw? Do I need more shoulder mobility? Do I, are my shoulders sore? Do I need more prehab work? Something. So I, I assess the meat successful or a bomb out and I continue to train. So that result, that post competition routine is exactly the same regardless of the outcome. It's right back to training because my next tattoo is going to say never enough. It's never enough for me. It never will be enough. Um, like somebody keeps asking, you know, or somebody asks me, What's your lifetime goal? Is this next weight your life goal? I'm like, No. I'm like, well that's a hell of a lot of weight. I'm like, well, there's always more. There's always something else. It's never enough. So that's what I have for you guys today. That is my take on competing. There's some back history for you into my competitive experience anyway, and kind of what I do nowadays. Um, it has grown, it has changed. Some things are the same. Some things are different. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoy talking about it. Uh, I want to talk about the Patreon really quick. If you haven't gone and checked that out yet, it's my online community, and I am able to post all of my training from start to finish, every set, every detail, even the unsuccessful stuff. I like posting all the gritty, behind-the-scenes details of all the training I do that leads me to my big benches. It's not just come in on Saturdays, put a shirt on, bench big weights. I train six days a week, two to three hours a day, and Saturdays are sometimes five to six hours. This Saturday was seven hours, (laughs) including lunch, but uh, check that out if you haven't already. It's $10 a month, full access to every single training session that I do, plus extra videos, extra training tips, and you can request to have things put on there that you want to know more about from me. If you haven't followed me on Instagram yet, I'd appreciate that. It's Strong on the IG. Check out my Facebook page, Jimmy Kolb and or Jimmy Kolb Tack Powerlifter. I want you all to have a very nice week, successful week. Lift heavy weights for me. Have a good day.